Welcome to Camera Tech Podcast, episode 80. That's right, it's the big eight zero. But before we get straight into it, just be reminded that uh, if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, you might as well head over to YouTube where you can not only hear our sultry voices, but see our lovely faces in full Technicolor. That's except, of course, unless you're listening to this in the car, Tommy, in which case, <laughs> make sure you listen to the audio version. <laughs> of course. So, yeah. So... Episode 80, and yeah. just o like... Almost your age, Kay. <laughs> almost my age. Well, that's, that's, that's how old I feel. That's, mm -hmm. you know, that's mm -hmm. for sure. But, okay. you know, uh, I mean, it hasn't gone amiss that, um, you know, that we're in, in separate locations again, just like we were in episode one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and last week when we, um, we spoke with Joe McNally. Um, Absolutely. Because you went and did a silly thing, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I have to self-isolate. Well, funny enough, by the time you see this uh, this video or listen to this podcast, I'm actually enjoying the uh, trepidations of, of freedom uh, once more. But as we're recording this, uh, I am fully self-isolating because unfortunately, this time around, I haven't been able to escape the COVID. So... Escape. There you go. I've, I've warned you before. You shouldn't have five G on your phone. That's that's what's happened here, mate. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting to think, really. You know that um, despite all the measures that you know we've we've put in place and whatever, you know, uh, it's. I mean, it's it's all it's only taken what eighteen months. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. Yes, I'm real. So, yeah. um, I was just saying to some friends the other day that it's it's simply a matter of time before before one of us gets it, and it is know, of time. and either it'll affect us badly or it won't, and we'll see. There's nothing, nothing yeah. else. We, we've done everything we can. We still do everything we can, and that's it. We just have to move forward. Yeah, yeah that's it. And you know, um, I'm actually feeling fine. You know, thank you for asking. <laughs> Oh, but, sorry. Was it not obvious I didn't care? Uh, well, <laughs> that was obvious to me, but, you know, I just want to make sure it's obvious to the listeners as well. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, what's really interesting is is how, how differently it affects, you know, different people. Like, my, you know, my wife, um, my wife is, is self-isolating as well at the moment. And, you know, she had, well, she maybe there were about two days at the beginning where she was really feeling very unwell. And then, you know, since then it's... Um, you know, it's almost normalized by now, but, you know, it's, to me, it, it really just feels, luckily, it feels just like a really annoying cold. Yeah. As you, as you can probably yeah. hear by the, you know, sexy sound of my voice, so. I knew there was something different about you. I know. And it's, mm. it's not only the denim shirt, of course. Not <laughs> double denim. Are you triple denim? Is there denim underneath that denim? Or is that no, I wish it was. You know, I'll go full triple for sure, but, you know. It's, uh, yeah, I'm going to get you a denim jacket, definitely. Maybe a denim hat. Oh, or, already got one. Uh, of course you have. <laughs> hey, it's in a DNA. What can I Trip say? denim. Love it. <laughs> Love it. <clears throat> yeah, I was actually, I was going to go for like some denim Sherpa jacket for, for this winter, of course. Nice. Know. Nice. See, I would have done all the shopping if I was laid up in, indoors um, for the last week or so. Um, what have you been doing? Uh, not much. I mean, it did, you know, I didn't really feel 
I, I really felt wiped out actually. You know, so yeah. I haven't really been doing very much at all. I've been doing, um, you know, there were a couple of things that I wanted to do, but I really haven't had the energy to do it. Um, so I think, you know, we got involved in, in several Netflix series and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> you completed Netflix then? Pretty much, yeah. 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 <laughs> it feels strangely like the original lockdown, you know. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... The thing is, I mean, it does feel like a cold, but, you know, with the additional annoyance that you literally do something for 10 minutes and you feel like, you know, it feels like you've done like a, a five-hour hardcore editing stint or something. Mm. You know, so it's, that's the only thing. It's, it's slightly, everything, everything's, you know, slightly exhausting. But other than that, you know, it's not too bad. Well, a few more days and you'll be out and uh, hopefully... Back to normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't wait actually because I had to totally clear um, about two weeks in my in my diary. You know, not not only because uh, because of COVID, but originally because my son I ended up in hospital, so I had to clear, you know, some time there. And then that's that's where the whole thing actually originates from. Yeah. So I mean, this is the only thing I would say is, um, you know, my experience was really that you know is rampant in hospitals at this point and there's really no way that you cannot um get infected if, if you're in in or around a hospital these yeah. days <laughs> that's the impression i got you know we're wearing like full pp like full pp basically and still you know visors and everything and still yeah so hmm. you know it, it's a mystery it's a mystery to me as to how somebody who works in that situation yeah uh that's not sooner or later, yeah. you know, contracted. But just makes you think how much use any of that PPE style stuff actually is. You know, Whether I think it just delays. It just delays the inevitable. Yeah, I'll during do permanent, a, a bit like being double vaccinated, seems to um, basically just delay it. If you're around it and you're around it constantly for whatever reason, you won't, you may not get it straight away, but you will. You're, you're going to get it at some point still. Ye yeah, I think the advantage there, though, is with as far as vaccinations are concerned, is that the, you know, when you do contract it, um, the consequences are not quite as severe as they might yeah. have been otherwise. Like, um, you know, I think had it not been for the fact that, you know, both my wife and I had had both uh, vaccinations, we probably would have suffered a lot more. And mm. luckily, we don't have any underlying health, um, health issues or something, but, you know, It's there's there's a there's a huge difference between you know the sniffles and like a full out full on flu type of a thing you know so yeah but yeah well but, there touch, we are touch anyway, wood we can still you know yeah touch wood and you know as you can as you can tell nothing's going to stop us from from uh, creating another podcast episode absolutely <laughs> or two episodes actually. 20 weeks away from episode 100. That's how I'm viewing it now. I know. I know. Get that. Not bad, eh? Not bad. Let's Not see if we're doing it in from different locations in 20 weeks' time. Yeah. I mean... Let's see what Boris does over the, Christmas. When we, Yeah, exactly. When we, just, when we started this, there was no... I mean, no chance we would have thought that 80, 80 weeks in we would still be in the same yeah. kind of predicament. Right. Bad, right? I mean, that's, you know, it's nuts. Hor <laughs> but hor horrible on thing. the flip side, 
on the flip side, of course, you know, it's given us all the tools to create these, these sort of shows, you know, even when we're not in the same room. So, yeah, that's it, man. That's it. Keep moving forwards, regardless. Always. Exactly. And the only difference, really, realistically, for me, is that it's most likely not going to be any pizza after after we finished this not, episode. N- you know. Not after the amount of pizza I ate last night, I can assure you. It was. Oh, really? oh, it, it, you, I'm not even going to say how much it was, but it, all I say is that it was Domino's. It was two for Tuesday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it there. We'll leave it there. No more needs to be said. That sounds like a great pre-party. <laughs> it was great. It was great. I, f- I feel very disappointed in myself, though. I, you know, I'd be, you know, I'd be happy if I could just if I could go out and get some food. Yeah, at the moment, it's extremely boring. So, yeah, yeah man, yeah, that's the thing. Cool. So, um, but that's the that's the COVID part done with. Um, let's talk about stuff that's that's been happening stuff. over the last few weeks. How's the? Um, I mean, from my side, I haven't really been able to get involved in too many photographic projects. Um, with you know, we've got stuff lined up, you know, um, over the next few months, which is great. Um, but how's it been for you? Have you, uh, have you worked on any projects over the last couple of weeks? Well, actually, what I was just thinking of is, because I'm looking at it right now, and I've just remembered that I've um, upgraded some gear. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Um, and uh, so, uh, but I did it for a reason. Um, and the reason was, is that my uh, Manfrotto fluid head broke right like um, three or four weeks ago now can't remember when it was four weeks ago and i sent it in for repair and the cost of repair was the same as buying it new and wait a minute was that that broke as we were getting ready to film an episode right correct Am I, yeah yeah okay. correct so that so my camera was then basically held up by a um a mic boom arm <laughs> just just oh, yeah. to keep it steady. <laughs> it was like that for two episodes, in fact. Well, you get a DIY that kind of stuff sometimes. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. So, yeah, that was also just. I remember it. It happened just at the beginning. The the uh, the camera body started to dip. Yeah, yeah um, I couldn't work just, out why. And it was just just as our guest was coming online as well. I was yeah, like, oh, okay. yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. But we made it work. That's all that matters. So, yeah, sent him repair. They wanted the same amount as the fluid head cost to repair it. And it's, you know, not going to happen. Not going to do that. That's just crazy. Mm. So I said, you know what? Don't worry about it. Bin it. (laughs) I don't want that. I don't want it back. It can't be used. It's just useless. So I started doing some research into what, you know, different fluid heads out out there, um, which inevitably led me on to doing some research into tripods tripod legs as well um and so i thought well you know what i was never happy with that fluid head anyway um it was okay um it did a job but was it nearly as smooth as i ever wanted it to be not even close Mm. not even close so after a ton of research and comparing um different fluid heads and um reading reading up a load of stuff talked to a couple of different people as well I settled on getting um, a Satchler Active 6 head, right? Which is, I haven't actually had it out on a 
proper job or proper, properly used it, but just you know playing around with it at the moment, it's absolutely phenomenal. What a cracking piece of kit it is. And it really, really is good. Smooth as anything. Um, you know, the, uh, the the tension between sort of um, pan and tilt, are they match each other, whereas you, I didn't have that before either. So that's just fantastic. So you, you adjust the set. You've got specific settings, one, two, and three on each. Mm. Um, gives you more drag or, or less drag. They match. So you've got the same, and it's just Oh, trust me, it makes the world of difference. Um, it's got a counterbalance on it, meaning that when your camera's loaded up on top, uh, you set the counterbalance to match the load of the camera so that when you, if you tilt forward and you're at, say, a 45 degree angle, you don't have to lock it off. It will just stay at that 45 degrees. Okay, and, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, and the reverse is true as well. Um, so that makes it so much simpler and easier to maneuver the camera where you, where you want it to go. Mm. Um, it could it can point ninety degrees down as well, which lots of heads don't. Uh, it almost does ninety degrees degrees up, but not quite. Um, yeah, what else? It's got oh, this is a cool little feature. I haven't. Uh, you, I've seen a couple of other heads that have this, but it's got um, it's got the usual kind of spirit level or spirit bubble um in there but it's also goes for a prism so that you see the same top down view if you like but facing outwards towards you so if you've got your tripod okay. up high and the head's up there you can't see down onto the the spirit bubble but you can see it on the side instead oh great as well. okay that's a good idea and what a cracking idea it all they all light up it lights up as well it lights mm. up the controls too so if you're in a dark environment Again, just a nice, nice little additional touch. Do you need this stuff? No, of course you don't. But yeah. it really does make your life a little bit simpler. Um, it's um, it's a bowl instead, um, so rather than a flat plate. So, yeah. which is which meant I needed to get some new legs for anyone because mine were all, my my tripods were all flat plate. And so, I started looking around, started looking around, load of great tripods like that out there that I wanted to get. I thought, you know, that would do the job. That would do the job really well as well and so on and so on. But then I came across the Satchler um, uh, Flowtech 75s. So it took me a minute to remember what they're called. And they're, wow. They're, I'm going to use the word nifty <laughs> for these. <You're> right. <laughs> they're solid as anything. Um, they're all carbon fiber they got um i think uh, two or three large sections so they go up really high as well um <coughs> but the really cool part about it is that normally of a tripod you're you know you might have to undo one two three different sections on each leg whether right. that's with a clip um or a twist um just to raise or lower the tripod right these you don't do that and they have quick release kind of latches on each of the tripod legs at the top near where the head goes. And mm -hmm. so you just release those free and just pick it up and the legs come out the bottom, you just put them back down and it's done. Same on the Great. way back down as well. It's so fast. So, you know, if you're doing work which requires you to move around and be at different heights regularly throughout the day, what a godsend that is. It really makes a difference. If you're always going to be static and you don't move it around during the day and once you're set, you're set, 
it's not going to make any difference to you. It does, just doesn't. But again, it's just that added convenience. Um, and I found mm. a nice secondhand pair as well, um, which was significantly cheaper um, than than buying them new. Because they're, they're not cheap. They are expensive. Yeah, they're not. Um, but it's just, again, just nice little touches on, on all of those. Anyway, so we're waffling on about gear for for a few minutes there. Um, I can't wait to get them out and properly try them out in a, you know, in actually on a job. But let's uh, let's see. Let's, let's see. I, I, I think they're going to work out crackingly good. Well, the other really amazing um, aspect of that, of, especially of these um, Satchler tripod legs, is just the weight of it. Because I remember the last time I was at your place and I you know, had to go with the thing, it was really um, astonishingly how astonishingly light. Yeah, because they're, they're quite... Uh, they're chunkier tripods legs than you mm. would typically find, but they, they had no weight at all. Absolutely yeah. no weight. To the point where... You, Actually, carrying it on your shoulder with with the head on, with your camera on, huh. no problem. It's really, really so, no I mean, problem. You can definitely see how on location is. You know, is so much more practical. Yeah. Just the fact that you can move the, you know, change the the length of the legs really quite easily. Literally, you can do it with one hand. Yes, yeah, you absolutely can. Which is you amazing. absolutely can. Oh, there's a couple other little features actually. It's worth worth mentioning. Um, on the fluid head itself, once it's set. You've you've kind of done it the one the one time. You then just have a release. So even if you don't get your tripod legs one hundred percent level, it doesn't matter because this fluid head you release, and it's got its you know you've got the bubble on there, and it literally just moves around. Just move it a little bit, move it a little bit down, and it's in and it's locked into mm. place. It takes a second to level that head. Absolutely, yeah. I love it. It's cracking, cracking way it works. And this, the the other thing to mention is because of the way they've designed this, it has no pole coming out of the the bottom of the head, which most um, fluid heads do if they're in a bowl like that. Yeah. Um, which means that these legs can go pretty much completely flat to the ground. At, well, they do. Yeah. They go completely flat to the ground rather than being a you know a bit of an angle. They're actually yeah. completely flat, which is just again a nice little nice little touch. It's got rubber feet and spikes on the bottom as well. Mm. Really cool. Yeah, getting low to the ground. I mean, it's you know, for instance, on my uh, my Manfrotto allows you to do that too, but it does have a center pole, which means you have to bring the center pole out and then you yeah, know, put it in horizontally and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of kerfuffle with that. Of course, I mean, all of that is still a lot more kerfuffle than let's say a platypus. You know, where it just yes, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this this is all video. This is video related head and sure. head and legs here. This. I'd, I would, they wouldn't be really appropriate for um, photography, really. Yeah. Um, you could do it on there, obviously, um, if it's what you've got and you're, you do both video and um, mm. photo work. Then actually, it could could be a good answer. You might want a different head um, for for photo. Um, but yeah, oh, you can you can convert that to a flat plate with a quick adapter, and so you can use any other heads that you've got already, which are flat mm. plate, which is you know nice That's little good. touch, yeah. nice little touch. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I, I can't wait to get them out and try them. <laughs> this is such a silly little feature that shouldn't be relevant, but it's cool and it's nice. Is that when you put the legs together, they're, they're magnetized at the bottom, so oh, they yeah. won't come apart unless you pull them apart. Yeah, it's the little things. It's the little <laughs> things. So you know, I mean, this is the thing. On my Manfrotto, the legs also won't come apart. In fact, they won't come apart unless you 
you know, use superhuman strength to actually pry them apart. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as much, as much as I love that thing, you know, that's, that it served me very well. Um, I've probably had it, I don't know. I've had oh. it for Sorry, oh, we've got, got a visitor here. Say hello, Indy. Yeah? You've got to be involved, haven't you? And you get <laughs> So for those on so, audio, yeah. my cat just jumped up on the, uh, on the table here. As that's, that regularly happens uh, pretty much every episode. It's True, just, you know, if you much. are listening to audio, you never, you never see it. Yeah. yeah. That's so head over another to YouTube and go up. check it out. Exactly. <laughs> and if you're not, then at least, you know, do the flavor and uh, write a little review at the bottom of, of the podcast, um, of the show, then uh, that would help us a lot. Anyway. So uh, what was I saying? Yeah. Uh, Manfrotto. I love that tripod. It's served me really well. It's, it's like a little bit of a, you know, um, it's a super solid thing. I've used this in pretty much all environments. Um, yeah. and it's still, it's still working. That really, you know, that speaks for itself. Um, but I think particularly for video, uh, there's, there's a need to look for something a little bit more substantial, especially as to, especially as far as the head's concerned. Absolutely. Yeah, there really, really is. Um, you know, would I've gotten fine with the heads and legs I was using before? Yeah. Yeah, no question. But it just felt like a good opportunity while I had to, to, to up, yeah. upgrade. And, and then I kind of got, you know, my thought process was, well, if I'm going to upgrade to whatever's kind of in between, I know I'm going to have to do it again in, no. you know, two, three, four, five years. Well, I don't know, whatever that might be. But this stuff's yeah. now just going to see me through for, I don't know how long, forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, one of the differences, one of the main differences also, you know, from, if you think about it, is that, you know, when, whenever we do an on-location video shoot, we tend to change the angle loads of times, which basically yeah. means, you know, picking up the tripod, resetting it, re, you know, and all, you know, all that, on all, all sorts of different uh, surfaces and blah, blah, blah. Um, that doesn't really, you know, it, that doesn't really happen when I do a photo shoot. Right. You know, when I do... When I do a, an on-location photo shoot, usually what happens is there's either a set, you know, or some kind of setup, and once the camera's locked down, it's pretty much locked down. So when I when I do shoot with a tripod, uh, which I do often, um, then that tripod is pretty much more more or less going to stay in the same position. You know, that's the whole point. Mm -hmm. Especially when, you know, particularly when we're shooting for compo like composites, for example, then mm -hmm. everything has to be totally locked down. So really, you set it up once. You know, and you set it and forget it, and then um, and that's about it. Um, but with video, of course, it's completely different. So the practicality issue of being able to, you know, extend or contract the the legs more easily, you know, changing angles, all that kind of stuff, moving it around, you know, carrying it over certain distances with the camera still attached to it, all of that becomes much more important. So the minute you know there's some kind of time saving there, or you know, some just a saving of effort that's a welcome change for sure absolutely and as as you know i get get a, a bad back and you know one thing carrying around stuff like that is taxing for me um so the lighter it can be the better but you and you you've seen me you've, you've watched me 
there and you've had you've you always have to help me keep that tripod and the camera steady while I'm adjusting those legs just to bring it down just a fraction, you know, or oh. to raise it a fraction and to level it up. And you're bending down to do that at the different sections that you're doing it on. But that's hopefully going to be a thing of the past for me now. Yeah. That, that will make quite a difference to me. Um, so, yeah. This podcast is in no way uh, sponsored by Satchita, but if you are interested and want to have a look, there'll be a link in the description, of course. Um, we don't get any kickback again. It's just, no, <laughs> just no. for your for your um, for in purely informative purposes. Exactly, say. exactly. But yeah, sure. I'll 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 update you more on on those as I've you know used them a bit more, um, got them out there and really see what they can do and um, you know where they really kind of make a big difference for me and mm. also where they don't, um, where they yeah. perhaps even hinder progress from where I was before. Who knows? Yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to actually uh, seeing it in the in the field. I mean, there's, there's a number of projects coming up. Yeah. Um, in November, I think we will be able to make use of that. So that should be cool. Um, there's a couple of things I'm looking forward to. We, we're doing a couple of shoots uh, that we've got planned um, in a few weeks' time. When hopefully, you know, I'll be able to um, to be in the vicinity of other human beings again. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so we've got a couple of shoots um, lined up. There's um. We're shooting a jazz trio. That should be very cool. Yeah, it's um, going to be a great day. On location, so that should be that should be an interesting thing and a variety of other things. So, but we'll talk about that when when it happens. We're, we're thinking mm-hmm. of creating some behind the scenes um, content for that as well. If that is something you're interested in, um, you know, give us a comment or um, or hit us up on social media. Uh, that would be great as well. But so that's all to come for next month. Now, I tell you what, though, here's a story I came across. Um, that I found as outrageous as I found it shocking, yet not very surprising. <laughs> okay. And that's the fact, yeah, it's the fact that DG High could be banned from the United States. The biggest drone manufacturer and uh, gimbal manufacturer? I know. But I think, yes, but uh, yeah, so they, they are planning on, or that this, um, you know, things are on the move to um to basically throw DJI win with in with with the likes of Huawei. Huawei? Huawei. Huawei. Imagine cool um, whip. And <laughs> cool whip. then then you get there with Huawei. <laughs> Huawei. So um I'll give you a bit of background uh, to this. So the FCC commissioner Brandon Carr um says that DJI drones risk uh, pose a risk to national security. So the FCC is the Federal Communications Commission. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so he wants he wants it to be moved on the the covered list. Um, again, to join you know Huawei and there's, there's a company called ZTE Corporations or something and a variety of other companies. Um, and all of these companies are deemed to pose an unacceptable risk to the national security of the United States. So with Huawei, if you remember, there was this whole thing about uh, about data and yeah, um, you know, five G networks and all. And, you know, the I think the fear is how much information gets passed on to the Chinese government. That's really where all of this yeah kind of yeah. originates. Well, we had that here um, with Huawei, didn't we, for for a while because they were installing our five G networks when they or sorry, their equipment was being used within our 5G networks, if I remember correctly. 
And I don't know whether so, they got the, they could continue or whether they got stopped. I don't remember now. See, if they were really clever, they would make COVID vaccinations, of course, because we all know that there's a positive impact on your 5G. Absolutely. We, I know. I now know why why you've you've had an issue the last couple of weeks. I got the new iPhone <laughs> a little while ago. And now I have five G. But there you go. There you go. I've passed it. <laughs> there we go. That's it. It's then gone that's gone it. through my phone, through the network, straight to straight to you, mate. As I've been sending you text messages. That's that's exactly, how it's happened. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> See, that's an explanation for everything. Um. So, I mean, it's, you know, basically, DJI stands accused of uh, collecting lots of, of uh, or vast amounts of data, okay, such as, you know, high-res images of sensitive installations and infrastructure, for example. Um, it's accused of, like, you know, using its technology for facial recognition um, and remote sensors to measure, get this, body temperature and heart rate of individual human beings. Right. And, and so the FCC is concerned that that DJI collects this data and then passes it on to the Chinese government. I have nothing to say to that. That's just, I mean, come on. I might be being naive, I, but come on. I, 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 I mean, it seems extremely, it seems extremely far-fetched. But here's a funny, <sighs> there's a really funny angle to this as well. Um, because of this, <laughs> so there are lots of U.S. government agencies that actually use whole fleets of DJI drones, and they all had to ground them. <sighs> so just to give you an example, so in January 2020, right, this is part of this uh, report, um, the Department of Interiors had to ground their entire fleet of DJI drones. Wow. But here's the funniest thing about this. Because it's not only the Department of Interiors, it's, it's also the two other um, agencies that, that use DJI drones extensively, uh, drones extensively. It's the FBI and the Secret Service. Of course they do. Of course they <laughs> do. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. So, I don't know who they'd use otherwise. They have to start making their own. They have such an issue. Or maybe that's... Maybe that's the whole idea. Because, you know, the thing, the, again, the, this, like, there, there are a number of different angles to this. So a while ago, I think it's in the summer, um, DJI was, was already placed onto um, the, the economy blacklist, which, is, uh, which basically means that these are companies that U.S. manufacturers are not allowed or prohibited from exporting parts to. And that obviously hasn't harmed DJI in the slightest because they've been mega successful this year, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of sales of drones. And of course, they've brought out a number of different you know, new models and all the rest of it. But um, but there's there's obviously, there's a major difference between, you know, not being able to export to that company and that company actually not being allowed to uh, sell any product on the US market at all. Wow. That's a huge difference. So, so, so let me... Try and wrap my head around this. So, do the U.S. government believe that someone's drone? Let's say you were in the U.S. and you had your drone out there, right? Are they suggesting that images that that drone takes, your personal drone that that drone takes, or f- video footage that that takes, that DJI are able to access that information? Is that what they're well, suggesting? How how, yeah, would they, th- how would they be doing that? 
I've, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that that's not, I'm not saying that that's impossible because I don't know, you know, um, it generally speaking, I mean, if you think about what happens, you know, when you, when you fly a drone, um, you have, you know, you have a video feed uh, directly to your controller, you know, that may be your phone or the controller itself. Um, of course, there's a connection between, there's a broadcast connection between your, between the drone and the actual controller. So that signal could, in theory, be interfered with and whatever, you know, of course. And yep, I guess, you, I mean, you could fly your drone. If you were a spy... You'd need to be you local were, to be able to grab that, that signal. I don't know, maybe... Because it's such a weak signal. Yeah, maybe you can you can access... It. Well, if you're a spy, you probably have like James Bond study technology where you can do that from a satellite or something, I don't know. But, you know, however <laughs> they do it. I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of... Um, you know, if I think about the kind of information that my drone sends out, it is, it is quite mind-boggling. Just if you just take the positioning information itself you know it's not only the gps but everything from altitude to flight speeds to angles to whatever all of that information gets logged um you know and uh either that in itself is you know is uh, worthwhile information i'm not i'm not quite sure where the like measuring body temperature and heart rate of human beings comes from because uh, well i'm i'm guessing that drones that have been um are being used by the likes of the fbi and the secret service i'm, I'm guessing they've been I, retrofitted sure. or their special you know yeah i'm sure of it i mean it, so the thing the thing is you know of course again if i were a spy which i'm not but of course if i if i actually were a spy then i would say i'm a spy or not Anyway, if I were an actual spy um, and I knew that, let's say, the CIA or, or the FBI or the Secret Service were using DJI drones, then, of course, you know, I could come up with some kind of technology to to hijack that kind of data flow, you know? Yeah. But should I be? But then you could, that. you could do that with anything, <laughs> right? I don't see why yeah. DJI would be special in that respect. It's, oh, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, it seems blatantly obvious that what's actually going on here is that, you know, well, it's another Chinese company that's mega successful globally, exactly. in particular on the US market, and, you know, that that's a thorn in the eye of some. Absolutely. And this yeah, is where the so US that's... government need to be less transparent with uh, how obvious they are with stuff like this. It, it's becoming embarrassing how they're, they're reacting to stuff like that. It's just... Yeah. You know, I'm 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 slightly surprised that this all really kicked off under Trump, right? And you know what? Let's not get political. <laughs> I can't be bothered. But that's when it started, right? I'm surprised it's carried on um, yeah. to this extent, and it hasn't had a little bit of a stop put to it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's all got to do with the people still in in, in certain positions, you know, and the the allegiances that certain agencies have and which yeah. way they lean. You know, that's all. <clears throat> that's you know who can say but uh, it's just interesting i mean i'd like to have a little bit more detail uh yeah. as to like how you know what they think the in terms of data what they what they actually think in dgi is actually collecting i mean it's just be yeah yeah you know. i'm i'm sure quite frankly i'm sure it's no it's it's done in a different way and the type of information would be would potentially would obviously be different but I, I I don't see how this is any worse than what the likes of Facebook or Google um, or Amazon are doing, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, do you know that's what I mean? A whole different. It's... There's a whole different discussion because you know Facebook are in the 
Apple as well. You can, you, you can put in there. Um, yeah. You know, I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says. And I, and I, I, inclu- I include you in this because we've had this conversation long ago yeah, in the yeah. past. But that is always listening. And yeah, if I see another I... sponsored ad a few <laughs> seconds after I've discussed it in a room and never searched for it before, yeah. pops up in my yeah. Facebook or Instagram feed, I-, I will just lose my mind. It is disgraceful. <laughs> and yet we're not doing anything anything about it. No, that's true. You know, and sometimes the fact that your phone's always listening, um, you know, can be... Uh, can be a benefit. I mean, you know, when, as you know, you know, we had an emergency situation at home uh, only a few weeks ago uh, where, you know, the the fact that my phone was on um, and I could get Siri to call an ambulance, then then just sped up the process. Oh, totally. So, you know, so there are, there are sort of, you know, the positive aspects to that, I guess, um, in particular situations, but, you know. But then again, I always say this, you know, look, if you don't want your phone to listen to you, you don't have a phone. You know, use the landline or turn it off. You could always turn it off. You know, I'm, I have to say, I'm, I'm starting to move towards the point that I've getting rid of smartphones and going back to something a bit more old school. Finding an phones. old Nokia thirty two ten. You know, because it, I, I'm, I've had enough of that kind of stuff. I'm getting really sick of it. Says he who's just bought a brand new phone. No, 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 no. Part of contract. <laughs> Oh, okay. And I it see. only cost me an extra fifteen pounds a month to uh, to to upgrade to this. So to upgrade it, but then you know, I mean, you probably your old phone can hardly be called a small a smartphone by modern standards. True. This is true. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, uh, well, you know, while we're on tech a little bit, I've. I've played around with the, you, obviously this, this is the, do you know, I don't even know what it is. What is it? 13? 13 Pro? Is that what it is? I've 13 yeah, iPhone now? I can't remember. 13 Pro? Yeah, whatever. That has that cinematic video feature on it. And you can change the um, uh, f-stop of that video and of the portrait right. mode on it after the fact which you couldn't, you couldn't do previously. Um, so I've tried out a cinematic mode uh, video a couple of times. And in the right circumstance, it's all right. It's interesting. And that circumstance is a very specific level of lighting. If it's too dark right, or okay. too bright, it doesn't look right. And you get this kind of... F- fringing around the, the subject mm. that you're focusing on um uh like like halo like a halo kind of look when you're in just the right amount of light you don't seem to get that um obviously you still get the same issues where um if you've got the subject that you're after and there's something else in front of it that's also going to be in focus whereas everything around it isn't um but that's just the nature of software based um uh, sort of depth of field. Um, I will also find that anything below about 5.6 on the video and the portrait mode doesn't look very good. It looks right, okay. really unnatural, but once you hit about 5.6 on it, 
it's got a really nice depth of field still and looks far more natural. So everything that I pretty much do on it, if I use that those features, I, I put it, I just adjust it afterwards to five point six oh. and I leave it there. That's just my that might be a preference thing, but that's where it kind of sits. There's a nice little balance, um, nice little yeah. balance there. Yeah, sorry, just a slight aside there. Just while we're talking about um, iPhones and whatnot, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't. But the, the the honest truth is, I don't use it much. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the case, isn't it? I mean, that's that's yeah. always the case. Yeah. yeah, I'd rather get my camera out if I can. Um, if if it makes sense to, if I'm just out and about, it's great, perfect. Couldn't ask for more. Um, yeah, but otherwise, I'll, I'll always just take my camera still. Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends. You know, um, we talked about like you know phone photography a lot. In fact, you know, a few episodes ago, a few weeks ago, we did the whole episode on um, some some tips and tricks um, to do with the iPhone camera. So there's some really useful stuff you can use that for. Um, it's the age-old question, you know, is our phones ever going to be um, replacing, you know, replacing cameras? Most likely not, you know. But then again, who would have thought that, uh, you know, hard disk recorders would... Well, that's true. It would replace a DVD at one point, you know, who knows? That's I mean, true. I, there's always, there's probably always something new that's that's coming along, you know. Um, who knows? I mean, ultimately... You know, what really matters is the output. That's what I always think, you know, it's like, yeah. what's, what are you creating with it? You know, ultimately, if you're creating some really beautiful photography um, that works, uh, you know, in the, in the medium that you're presenting it. So for instance, you know what I mean? It's like certain images work really well as digital images, but they really suck as prints and vice versa. Then, you know, but if you're, you know, if you're if you're creating something for a particular purpose, it really doesn't matter what, which tool mm-hmm. you're you're using. And this is again, it sort of it kind of ties in with this with this argument about like you know, is Nikon better than Canon or all that kind of nonsense? Yeah. It really doesn't matter because ultimately, what matters is is the final product and the final image. Um, and then, of course, for you as a as a photographer, what's important is the the sort of situation that you're shooting in. You know, if you're uh, if you're a concert photographer, you need completely different aspects uh, to work well on your camera for example you know in a low light situation mm-hmm. compared to somebody mm-hmm. who's you know maybe somebody who's a wall photographer you know needs solid gear that you know you just need to have rugged gear that doesn't fail under the worst yeah uh, in the worst conditions you know and that's very different from somebody who let's say shoots in a studio for example where you're in a safe environment and all that kind of jazz you know, it's a completely different scenario um as a studio shooter your gear doesn't really need to be weather sealed Totally. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Um, if you're if you're an Arctic explorer, photographer, or whatever, then it kind of has to be weather sealed. <laughs> you know what I mean? So It'd be really, nice. <laughs> and so you know, and then uh, you know, if you take it from that point of view, then you know, it, it really doesn't. The, the fact that one says Olympus and another thing says Nikon or whatever doesn't really matter anymore. Because what really matters is whether it's the right tool for the job. Yeah. You know. Um, and that's, you know, that's that's what yeah. that is. You know, what I am really enjoying about the cameras on this is the wide angle on this. I Ooh. really like it. Okay. Yeah, I think it does a cracking, cracking job. I was, ta- I was just taking some, I was, I was taking some photos of a dog the other day, um, cool. out and about, and I was just literally just grabbed my phone, put it on wide, and just dropped it down to the ground. 
and it came out absolutely fantastic. Really, yeah. really good. Would it have been better with a um, <clears throat> proper camera? Uh, yes or no. It may have actually been harder to get the shot with a, a proper camera because it's one thing having a little phone. Well, it's not little, but, you know, a small phone down in front of a dog. But it's a totally different experience for that dog putting down a camera with a lot, you know, with a, you know, a 15 to 30 on 35 on it just it's a totally they they may not go for it they may run away from it might be scared of it so there's you know there's a little balancing act there but it came out great love love the wide lens on that really like it really really like it on your on your old phone you didn't have a wide lens no 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 so this is the 13 and um my phone before was an an eight right so it's quite a an upgrade from in was it from my perspective was that from when Apple still had like the the rainbow colored Apple? So wow, so that old. <laughs> yeah, the back of the phone was like <laughs> luminous orange or blue. <laughs> yeah, awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah, that yeah. would be good. Surprised they don't do yeah. that. Surprised they don't. Well, do that. yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember these like the original iMacs. They were awesome. Yeah, 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 man. Um, I didn't have one. They look good though. Yeah. Maybe now, actually, fun. talking about war photographers, um, there's, there's a, a funny, another funny episode or episode, another funny story I came across. Um, so, you know, the uh, Activision, the makers or creators of of um, Call of Duty, yep. right, have basically asked two uh, very well-known war photographers to shoot in the game. So what they've done is they've basically asked Sebastiano Tomada and Alex Potter, which are the both um, two very well-known uh, photojournalists that specialize in like, you know, crisis um, regions or whatever, like, you know, war regions. Um, and what, what Activision did was they built this, uh, they built this custom-made camera and then they built, they created like a, a custom soundstage and they literally put these two photographers into the game, uh, into the World War, World War II Call of Duty game and so they would they would walk around with this camera with a screen on and it would literally be in this like fully um you know interactive soundstage um and it would literally feel like they'd be in this scenario and so they were able to create photography of the gameplay um and and create images um that way and it's uh by their own accounts this uh this turned out to be a really an amazing experience like a very an experience that really felt really real. Are they doing it in, in VR? No, no. It's basically the camera uh, looks like it's essentially like a screen with two handles and um, and then you know your button on top of the handle. And so um, so they're literally walking around, looking at the screen, and they're moving through the game whilst they're hearing and feeling everything that's that's going on around them, um, which is yeah. So. Uh, uh, the 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 resulting images were actually really cool. Okay. Yeah. I'd and like by their own, those. like, so what you know, so what they were saying was that the whole experience was so immersive that it really felt like real war. And these are people who are who have experienced real life war situations, you know, in the past. So, um, so it was, uh, yeah, so it was an interesting mm. and interesting experiment. Oh, I'd like to see that. Um, yeah. You know, 
I guess the trouble I have with it is that my assumption is that the pictures don't look, from a quality perspective, any better than it does when you're just playing the game, which doesn't look great. It looks okay. Um, so the images that I've seen actually look really, really good. Really? But then, you know, I think you'd have to have a close-up look, you know. Um, and of course, they're taken from angles that you wouldn't necessarily normally see in the game. You know, because you'd be involved in the, yeah. in the gameplay. And they, of course, look at it from a photographer's perspective or with mm. a photographer's eye. So, um, so yeah, it was quite it was quite interesting. That's cool. Oh, I'd like to see that. I've, I've, and they've, they've published those photos, have they? They're readily available. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah, so they're part of the... Um, I'll put the link in the, in the description. Yeah. Um, so you can have a look at that. But, yeah, I mean, maybe we should get uh, either of those two on the show and talk to them about it. Absolutely. That'd be great fun. That could be... That'd be great That'd fun. Be thing to do. Yeah. I'd like to see if they've um, almost recreated any shots that they've done previously in real world situations. <laughs> yeah. See those side by side. That'd be, that'd be fun. Yeah. Now, if cool. any of you listening have any experience with Call of Duty, <laughs> then, you know, don't hold back. You know, send us a message. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, and uh, yeah, get in touch. It'd be interesting to hear from you. Uh, also, likewise, if you are... Uh, if you are situated anywhere in Central Europe or in Europe, on the Euro European continent, um, then get in touch. It'd be awesome to hear from you. Um, as always, we'd love to hear from our listeners uh, all around the world. So yeah, if you find yourself somewhere in, in Europe, then uh, send us a message, uh, hook us up, uh, look us up on, um, on Instagram, Facebook, and the rest of it. But we're also on Twitter. I don't think anybody knows that. <laughs> I didn't know that. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're on Twitter at Shake Camera because apparently Camera Shake as a username was already taken. Disgraceful. Disgraceful, exactly. So if you want to get in touch <laughs> on Twitter, it's at Shake Camera, apparently. So yeah. Cool. So what else is happening? What else is new? Have you bought any more, um, any, any new gear or equipment? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> is this the answer to that? <laughs> yes, but I haven't got it yet. Um, I won't get it till the end of November as, as things stand, but that might come forward. Who knows? But, um, uh, I've ordered the new MacBook pro. Um, so what well, they, so Apple just announced, um, the, the new M one pro chip that they're, they're putting into their MacBooks now. It was the M one previously. Now they've got the M one pro and the M one pro max. Um, and so, so the, my current MacBook is two. It's only two years old. Um, it's an it's Intel. It's eight core, um, two point four gigahertz, I believe, two point three maybe. Um, I nine, uh, maxed out with you know sixty four gigs of RAM, and um, it's got the Radeon um, Pro twenty Vega twenty or there or about. So I, I can never remember the names of those things, and it's a it's been a cracking machine. Um, does it handle video work as well as I want it to? Nope. No, it doesn't. Does it handle all photo work as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nails that. But video work, I still find it struggles. So what, I'm, what I've done, so I've ordered this new one. It's got up with the M1 Pro Max chip in it i've got a couple of details actually here um of it 
Um, oh, face ID, come on, work. <laughs> Got a mic in the way. Um, and so um, the it's the 16 inch that I went for. The M1 Max with it's got it's, uh, wait, that's the GPU. Um, it's a 10 core CPU, which compared to my i9 Intel. Um, now bear in mind how Apple word things. All right, it at times it can be slightly misleading. Sounds amazing on the surface, but can be misleading. So I'd like to see real-world kind of um, usage first. But it should be, in typical usage, about 1.7 times better CPU performance than what I'm getting today with any pretty much any, any general software that I use. GPU performance, so the graphics chip, I should be getting... Um, and this compares to a different... Um, uh, graphics card than what I've got. The graphics card I've got in here is slightly, slightly better than the one they're comparing it to on their site. Should be getting almost twice as good performance on it. The M1 Pro Max also has a dedicated render, media render engine engine within mm -hmm. it as well. Um, so I'm expect so that two times performance is based on DaVinci Resolve as well, rendering in DaVinci Resolve, which is what I use. Um, so I'm expecting video performance to drastically improve um, when when I get this, let alone the additional, um, they've got a neural engine as well, the additional um, faster, super fast kind of memory that's going to be in there, um, the extra, you know, the better battery life, all of that kind of stuff within it. And they've got rid of that god-awful touch bar that's currently <laughs> online as well. What a waste of space that thing is. Ugh. Awful. So they've replaced that touch bar with, you know, actual F keys again. Um, it's got an SD card, um, actual um, reader slot in reader. it now yeah. again, an actual HDMI input again. Um, it's got the MagSafe charger as well, um, back to back to that, which is great. Um, I'm not, I haven't been a huge fan of these USB C or Thunderbolt. Um, charging ports um, on, on this one. Yeah, so I'm quietly hopeful. Possible downsides are going to be um, whether all the software and my plugins that I use for audio and video actually work um, with mm. the M1 chip. Now, I think the M1 chip's now been out long enough that the majority of it is working absolutely fine. I get updates constantly coming through saying we're now M1 compatible for this software right. and so on and so on and so on. I am not putting the, my current MacBook up for sale until I've got the new one and I've tried everything out extensively <coughs> and I know it all works exactly how it should work before um, this this one, I let this one go. Um, you know, the Rosetta software within it is supposed to be really good, but let's see. Plus it comes with the new OS that's coming out, the new I want to say Montgomery, but I don't think that's what it's called. <laughs> I <have> no idea. <laughs> Whatever it's called. Um, the new OS that's coming out um, at, at the same time. So I have to say, quite excited about getting it. Quite yeah, excited. And cool. it's brought about... the price down. It's brought the price down moving from Intel to their really? own chips. It's about 500 quid cheaper than maxing out this MacBook two years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. For all, oh, no, 400 quid. 400. That's interesting. Which is quite a bit, really. 
um, you know, it's like ten percent. Yeah, I mean, plus you know, if you're you're selling your old laptop, um, the difference then might actually be yeah, not that bad. <laughs> this maxed out was like four grand, right? This was one that I'm mm. I'm looking at right now. Two years ago, two. That's all. Perfect condition. Perfect. Guess how much Apple wanted to give me for that if I traded in on this new one. Just hazard a guess. Two years old, perfect know. condition, maxed out. 200 quid. Oh, all right. Let's be slightly more realistic. <laughs> okay. Well, I'd say, okay, so, t- uh, so it's four grand. Let's say two grand. I think that would be very reasonable, <clears throat> right? <clears throat> 650 quid. Oh, wow. Okay. It's disgraceful. Other trading places will do 800. There's one that will do a grand. But... No, no, because they're going to go sell that for fifteen hundred two grand, and I'm not not on board with that. Yeah. So I'm going to sell it myself. Yeah, for sure. It's just it's just going to be easier. I wonder um, how much they would give me for my MacBook Pro from 2011. Um, you would have to pay them to take it off your hands. <laughs> yeah, we're negative equity right there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's still oh, going man. strong, right? It's what Ish. I'm looking at right now. Talking to you, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can yeah, vaguely. I I'm, I'm get. I'm. I think your f- the camera on it. That I'm using. You, I can see you on right now. Is you know four or five pixels for your face, give or take. Just about exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, there's also currently no green line going through the screen because that's that was the uh, that was the point where I basically gave up on it. Was yeah. Is that fixed? You know, this, uh, no, no. It's it's like some. They basically, you know, they happen sometimes, and then occasionally they're not. So at the moment, there's mm. no green line there. You know, it's probably just a matter of minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. I tell you what. For me, upgrading from my MacBook Pro to um, the iMac, you know, just upgrading to that screen, that 5K screen. Yeah. It's made such a huge difference. Yeah. It's and I, you know, I experience that every time um, I do shoot in my home studio here because I have a, a secondary monitor um, over in the shooting space, <clears throat> and that's just really just a reference monitor. So you know, when I have a client there, or when I'm when I'm hand holding, usually what happens is. When I shoot, when I shoot handheld, I sort of move further into the space, and because I shoot tethered, I then can't really see my actual, my main iMac anymore. Um, and so I have a secondary screen over there, so I can just get an idea as to as to what's happening on the screen. Yeah. Um, but the the screen that I'm using, which is incidentally, is one of your old screens. It, um, it well, it's a screen um, my old work gave me a long time ago to work from home. <laughs> yeah. which so I, it's basically it's like me. a standard. It's a standard computer screen, I guess. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, from like 10 years ago. Yeah. From 10 years, yeah. And so as a reference screen, it you know, works fine. Um, but then when you, of course, really um, look at some of the detail back on the 5K screen, the, the difference is just, you know, it's like day and night. If I remember correctly, I can't remember which way around it was. The, either the blacks on that screen were so deep that you. Th- Assumed you couldn't see anything there, but you go and see it on the iMac, and actually, there's you can see everything still, and it's not dark enough. Or was it the other way around? I can't remember. No, it's basically. Um, I mean, you just you lose all the detail in the shadows. Yeah, it was that way around. On that, and actually, I mean, the dynamic range is is you know totally compressed. Basically, you lose detail, yeah. a lot of detail in the shadows, and quite a lot of detail in the highlights as well. So. Um, you really don't get the whole depth of of the image when you look at that. Mm-hmm. When you look at that secondary screen, for sure. But you know, again, you know, is it worth upgrading to a five K screen for that purpose? Not for me. It's not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's literally just a screen. I throw. I throw up. Um, 
you know, when I need it, um, you know. I mean, you use it for comp- compositional purposes more than more than anything, I guess. And, that's all it is. That's absolutely you know? all it is, yeah. Yeah, just making sure the image... Yeah, I mean, you can sort of... You can basically make really good lighting decisions when you look at that, when you yep. look at that screen, you know. Um, you can kind of... You can see whether your lighting ratios are right and, you know, whether things are coming out uh, the way you want them to be. It's It's a million times better than just looking at the screen on the back of your camera. Oh yeah, you know that's that's yeah. the thing. And so, if it wasn't for that, then you know I would have to basically move back and forth between where I'm actually situated when I'm shooting and where my screen is. So that's just in my you know in my setup here. Um, you know, if you have, of course if you have a laptop on on a table with wheels, you can wheel it with you. It's perfect. In my case, it's not not exactly possible for a variety of reasons. So mm-hmm. um, so that works. You know, works for me. There's also of course what I'm doing. Um, uh, when I'm shooting the, the the three heads in a row project, where I'm literally set at a table opposite opposite my subject, and have just having that screen right next to you, where I'm actually I'm shooting straight into my computer, um, so I don't have to transfer any files afterwards, but it still gives me a reference as to what's happening, a pretty good reference actually as to what's happening, uh, and I can see whether the image is sharp. That's the most important thing. Yeah, and you want to see whether it's sharp. And you want to see whether the lighting uh, ratios are um, are on. And everything else is gravy. Yeah, man. Yeah. So yeah, like you say, you don't. Do you need that four or five K screen? No, but definitely makes a difference when you. Oh, once I mean, for, from an editing perspective, once you've once you start editing on something, you know, something like a five K screen, you really don't want to go back. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's not a chance in hell that I'm going to do any detailed editing work on my MacBook Pro anymore. Yeah. And I, I used that for literally, I don't know, eight years or something yeah. to do pretty much yeah. all of my editing on. Um, you know, as good as good as this MacBook screen is, and it and it is good, um, and it's um, you know color calibrated and all of that kind of jazz. Any anything that actually needs a bit of precision, precision, anything at all, video or or photo, I I still connect to my 4k external screen yeah. um, and it's also just the size of it you know that's the other thing um i found that um uh, i mean when i switched to the uh, 5k imac my my eyes stopped straining as much yeah you know i really yeah. had an issue with my eyes getting really quite strained um that's pretty much gone and there's two there's two reasons for that i think one is because the screen is bigger you don't have to strain to see the detail as much um you know there's a lot more clarity in it it's much easier to see everything but it's also, it's also just a posture thing for me personally. When I sit in front of a, a laptop, I sort of hunch over, and you know, mm. you know what it's like when you spend two, three, four, five hours editing. You know that very quickly develops into some really annoying niggles in your like shoulders and your neck. In, in my case, the neck. You know, and also and also the eyes. So since I've uh, switched to the to the iMac and I do everything on a on a desktop based um, computer. Um, that's really made it. It's made a big difference. You know, my posture is yeah. a lot better. I don't get any of these strains. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's made a big difference. Of course, the disadvantage is it's not as portable. I can't exactly take it with me everywhere. And so, you know, when we are on location, I have to come up with a different solution because obviously, then I'm shooting to a laptop or a MacBook Pro, and I'm shooting to to a hard drive. Um, it that it is what it is. Yeah, well, it's, you've still got that 20, 2011, 2012 macbook that you can you can use for stuff if we're doing stuff together 
I'll always have that Mac, MacBook Pro anyway knocking about. So there's yeah, there's always ways around it, right? Exactly. My, my MacBook Pro now is simply a Zoom machine. Yeah. <laughs> so I do both often. And um, a sort of preview monitor when when we're out on location. That's, that's yeah. all it does. Yeah. I don't really do anything that really... Oh, yeah, and I write some blogs on it. So so it's a typewriter. Know, and, until, until these latest MacBooks got announced, I was considering getting an iMac in addition to this. This this MacBook that I've got now, mm. but I'm confident that this new MacBook Pro will still do me because I'd rather still have one one machine that's I can I can move around if I can, because um, yeah. I like working in different places. Um, but that that being said, what I do like about going to my 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 room with my screen in is that you're you're you automate. It's a bit like going if you work in corporate and you go into the office you're conditioned to work mm. in in that in that environment if you go down and sit at a screen that's at a desk you're conditioned to actually do work and not get as distracted by other things that are yeah. going on whereas if you're working on a laptop like i will i often will work on my laptop in in the living room in in here and you know i i will get distracted particularly if it's work that doesn't require any degree of precision on on color or um, anything like that, um, I, but I, I will get distracted. I absolutely do, and I will get less done. But I do find mm. it comfortable and more relaxing to be able to work wherever I wherever I want to. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, there, there you go. It's it's pros and cons to all of them. Yeah. And it's just whatever absolutely. whatever's right for you, I guess. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, for probably twelve years or something, I I shot everything on a laptop, just mainly because it was portable i could take it around you know i could edit um wherever i was and, and so on and so forth and that's that's a very very useful um ability to have no doubt yeah. and you know in a pinch i would still edit stuff on my macbook pro you know yeah. although it's old but um you know it it really depends on what your situation is i like my little workstation right behind me um because you know i it feels like a comfortable place for me to be and it's you know um, it's a good place for me to work and that's you know that's that's what I need. Um, with I mean, since the beginning of the of the pandemic and everything, I haven't really moved around that much anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. we've done of course we've done location shoots and whatever, but nothing nothing like. Yeah, um, it's a different scenario. I think um, you know when you're shooting conferences, for example, or you're you know uh, you're doing those kind of away events, as it were, and you have to deliver stuff right there. Um, I can, you know, yeah, it would be an advantage to have maybe a bigger screen or something in the hotel room or something, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but there's nothing that can't be. Absolutely. You know, can't be Absolutely. Away, so. you, you know, I'm just looking over to my left here and I've just realized I've still got my 2012 iMac over there and my 2012 MacBook Pro down there too which is was <laughs> right, six it's six months newer than your macbook that you've got there that's right yeah there. yeah it just yeah. It, it was the first one to get rid of the cd drive that's how old we're all right talking. okay because oh, wow. you're, you're still as a disk drive right that one yeah it does yeah i yeah. don't have any cds anymore but hey no exactly <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's I just should, good to I, know it's good to know that i still got it yeah <laughs> you know and you still know, I'm, I'm frustrated because i replaced i put a terabyte ssd in that imac and then not not a month later bought this this macbook <laughs> right. so i was using that until 
two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You can still, you can still use it. Nothing wrong with it. It's fast. Does it have a four? Does your does your iMac has a four K screen? No. What kind of what kind of screen is it? Uh, I don't know. Whatever they produced prior to that, they were, oh, okay. it wasn't four K. No. No, but it is fast. Um, but it was, you know, it's. I think it was only an i five Intel, but it was like three point six gigahertz. Okay. Quad, I think it's a quad core. Um, right. So it's it's probably still quick. I, I might boot that up. But it's you sat can, there you... for two years doing nothing. As is that other MacBook. I may as well just frame away. Well, you could. See, I mean, you could use them like as a you know a TV in the bedroom or something. You know, who knows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with them. I, I I I need to come up with a way to connect them all so I can use the power of all of them to, to do stuff. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Well, oh, talking about talking about connecting the power of everything. Um, so Photoshop is now coming to the web, the world wide web, the interwebs, the interwebs. Yeah, yeah. So Photoshop is coming to the web, um, but not in the way that you might think it does um it's so adobe is coming out with a whole range of different upgrades um to their software packages and um one particular uh feature of both photoshop and illustrator is that uh, they now got to introduce cloud-based collaboration functionality Mm -hmm. but again not in the way that that you think it would be possible so ideally of course what you'd what do you think? It's like, well, if you work on a, you know, uh, on a document, on an image or whatever in the cloud, and somebody else could work on it at the same time. This is somewhat different. This is basically where you create a URL for this particular project that you're working on, and then somebody else can have access to that project. They can view it and they can annotate and comment on it. Okay. So that's that's the idea behind that, um, and. So that basically happens entirely in the browser. So the other person um, doesn't even need to own Photoshop or anything like that. All they need to have is an internet connection and a browser. So currently, um, that will work with uh, with both Chrome and Microsoft Edge. And I'm pretty sure Safari is not going to be um, far behind that. But uh, so that's that's the idea behind it. And you know, at first when I read this, I kind of thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. Why are they doing this? Well, clearly. When I, when I think about what that, what could happen at a photo shoot where you're working with an art director, for example, um, when you're not only when you're shooting something, but maybe when you're editing, that might actually just simplify um, the workflow there because somebody else could look at your edits and then annotate it. And basically, let's say you were creating, I don't know, a movie poster or something. You know, you could have the art director go, oh, actually, no, change this. I don't like the background. You know, the skin retouching here doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. You know, and and you would instantaneously get the notes and you could, you know, communicate much more easily rather than um, sending files and waiting for feedback and all that kind of stuff, you know. Okay. So this, could, this, this could be quite a useful um, so useful feature. So it's not a collaborative s- style update. This is a more than anything, a, a client-facing um, style update. Um, yeah. Because there are, there are plugins which work... Um, uh, I think I used one in Premiere when I was using Premiere um, called Whipster, um, okay. which is a you know it's a third party plugin, but it c- connects directly within Premiere and will upload your export to X location with a URL, and people mm. 
your client can then go in, review it, and annotate. And those annotate, annotations are pulled directly into Premiere um, at yeah, so a specific spot in the timeline where right. that annotation was made. So one minute, five, whatever it might be. So I'm guessing right. it's a similar style thing, but for Photoshop. Yes, it seems it seems very similar. Of course, the idea here is, is that it's already built into Photoshop and Illustrator. And so yeah. there's no need for any third-party yeah, yeah. apps. You know, it's interesting that it's Photoshop and Illustrator because that really hints at the kind of work or the kind of uh, projects that, that they're you know aiming at with that. And that's usually where you have an art director in the background, you know, um, signing off decisions or, or guide, yeah. guiding your 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 workflow or your edits in, into a certain direction. It's, it's definitely know. for the professionals out there um, rather than yeah, absolutely. anyone else, right? Um, but it sounds yeah. like it's something that they will expand upon um, as as time goes on. Yeah, you can see that in a totally in a professional sense, but you could also uh, make use of that in a educational sense, for example, yeah. you know, where you as a tutor, for example, look you know look at ongoing work of a student Absolutely. and you annotate, you know, um, in that respect. So yeah, I think it's I think it's very clearly aimed at those two major segments is to totally the professional market and it's the educational element yeah, as well, it, potentially. So. We often share images amongst our, each other and um, All the time. What, uh, what do you think with the update? This could be useful for mm. us to, you know, just um, for those second pair of eyes rather than exporting it and sending it across and, uh, yeah, and yeah, then having to the, write it in a text message or on the phone or over email absolutely. and feel like that, you can just put it directly on there and pull it in. It's absolutely, because cool. all it does is it basically creates a URL. So there's, yep. um, you know, you, you essentially just uh, click on open in Photoshop on the web beta. There's like a function, a drop-down thing. It creates a URL, done. So it, it just sounds like it's pretty simple. Yeah, um, totally. You well, know, I'm we, looking forward we'll to try it out, out and we'll let people know what we think. Yeah. It probably, I mean, it'd be useful to have a similar func a function in Lightroom as well, I think, from mm -hmm. a, purely from a yeah. photography point of view. Um, but, uh, so far it sounds like that's, that's going to be, um, you know, part of Photoshop and Illustrator, you know, yeah, at this point. So, cool. but yeah, but that's, that's a, there's a whole lot of major upgrades in the works at the moment at Adobe. You know, I get notifications almost every week to say that something is, something yeah. is updating. So. That's cool. Looking forward to trying that out. Yeah. See if it can be useful for us. Absolutely. Now, I think we have come to the end of episode 80 of the Camera Shake podcast. Um, we will be introducing a few new elements um, in, in over the next few episodes. So that could be interesting as well. So, you know, stick around if you want to hear about that. Um, but for now, that was episode 80. Remember, if you are listening to the audio version, as always, you can head over to youtube.com forward slash camera shake if you want to see our lovely face in full Technicolor. Uh, whilst you're there, hit the subscribe button, ring the bell thingy, do everything that you know YouTubers tell you to do usually. And of course, remember, write us a little review. And if you are somewhere in Europe, hit us up, send us a message. It'd be great to hear from you. That being said, that was Camera Shake Podcast, episode 80. See you again next week. Mm -hmm.